Thank you for tuning into the New Covenant Life Christian Church podcast, where we are loving God and loving his people. It's all about him. Our focus is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and advancing his kingdom in the earth. Now, today's life-changing word. As you're standing up, turn with me to Psalms 86 and 11. And then after that, we'll be going to 1 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 7. <sighs> Glory be to God. We there? Everybody good? Y'all about that quiet this morning. Amen. Psalms 86 and 11 says, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart that I may honor you. 1 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 7. Amen. And it says, now I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I don't know. Praise the Lord. It says, now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. My God, I want y'all to read this. Listen to this. Here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Verse 10 says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you didn't ask for riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come humbly before you, Father, and we just ask and pray for the same thing, Father God, that you would give us a wise and understanding heart. I know sometimes we think we got it all together. I know sometimes we act like we can make the right decisions, the right choices, that we can go about living our life as we please, Father God. But starting today, we acknowledge you in all of our ways because you promised in your word that you would direct our path. So we thank you, Father God. We love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as you are being seated, uh, stay right there and, uh, I mean, turn to Proverbs 3 and start in verse uh, 19. You can be seated. Amen. So now, uh, amen. (laughs) So now, one of the things that I love about this is that we can clearly see from the scriptures that, number one, that God made Solomon the king. And I love it because the more you read of that, the more you read that scripture, you should be getting out of it that, that Solomon's whole dependency, the whole kingdom, everything that he was made, he understood. One, if he didn't understand nothing else, he understood one thing. God, I need your wisdom. He said, who by himself can govern all these people? And the answer is, nobody can. 
You think you can, you might think you got it, but trust me, sooner or later, the knowledge of this world will run out and you're gonna need the wisdom of God. Amen. Proverbs 75 and seven from the New Living Translation said that it is God alone who judges. He decides who will rise up and who will fall. Daniel 2 and 21 says that he controls the course of the world's events. He removes kings, and he is the one that sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise, and he gives knowledge to the scribes. And number two, whenever God places us in any position, especially when it comes to his people that are under your leadership, it should humble you to the point where as you will ask God for the wisdom to lead them. I don't care what capacity that, you, that you're under. Remember, the Bible says that God gives to every man severally as he wills. So I don't care if it's two, if it's ten or a hundred or, or a nation, you're going to need God's wisdom. And your heart should always be for, for God's people. And Solomon knew that they were God's chosen people, that they were God, that God loved them dearly, and that God held them close to his heart. And our hearts should always be for the betterment of God's people that he has placed us over. We should always try to encourage our people. Be for them, be there for them as much as we can be, be there for them. We should always love them. I love what my brother was praying for this morning. How we should always love them. We should always look for ways that we can help them. And if they are under us and we are in some kind of leadership or management position, help them get promoted. They want to listen. They want to rise up just like we want to rise up. Well, not everybody wants to. Some people are fine where they are, whatever the case may be. But that's going back to what that going back to what Solomon just said. You have made me king. Look, I was good. But when you call me. I must bow and submit myself unto your authority. Now, the last time I stood before you, I said that wisdom is the very thing that we need in our lives to make it better. And it's not that we're better than anyone else. It's the wisdom that makes our lives better and look better. And the reason why it looks better, because God is not so interested in it looking better on the outside. He wants it to be eternally better before it comes from the outside of us. Amen? Okay, so, and, 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 and it is the very foundation of everything that God wants us to build our lives on. Proverbs 3 and verse 19 says, by wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds dropped down to do. Now, um, this same verse, backing up the verse uh, 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 19 and verse 8, I want to read it from the Passion Translation. It says that, that the Lord laid the earth's foundation with wisdom's blueprint. And I told you that blueprints are a type of construction drawing that shows how the building is to be designed. It shows what materials are to be used. It shows what all the features like the doors, the windows, the sinks, the plumbing, all the appliances. It shows where everything must go. It tells us that if we're going to build anything of any value and longevity, we need the blueprints. And if we are so meticulous, and if we show great attention to detail and, the very, and to be very careful and precise, how much more do you think God is when it comes to your life? God is into every detail of your life. Every detail 
of your life. And this also tells us that God, that, 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 that wisdom needs to be intertwined throughout every part of our lives. And if we want to be better husbands, if we want to be better fathers, if we want to be better wives, if we want to be better mothers, if we want to be better in ministry, if we want to be better uh, uh, bosses, if we want to be better co-workers, employees, watch this, watch this. We need God's wisdom. And when you start seeing the need for it, it will not be an option for you. And I can remember, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, I haven't been around these kind of people in a long time, but I know when I first got saved and, and I was going into the workplace and everything and you ask some people for questioning, questions and stuff like that, you know the first thing they go to, let me go pray. Let me pray, because I need God's wisdom. Let me pray about it. Let me talk to God about it. Because watch this. Because they have gotten to a place in their life that without it, I can't go on without his wisdom. And just as the blueprints show us where everything is supposed to go and how things are supposed to be done, the wisdom of God will do the same thing in our lives and it will show us how to do it right the first time. Now I don't know how many of you in here want to do things three, four, five, ten times before you get it right. How many of you in here want to get your house built and when they finish building, you move in, come to find out that now it's falling apart? How many of y'all build your own business? You spent all these years, you went to college, you did everything to get this business up and running only to find out that is not the way that God wanted it to be. And it's funny that we as a people build phenomenal buildings, beautiful homes, and amazing structures, but when it comes to our lives, we'll just go with the flow and don't ask the Lord for the plan for our lives. Or, watch this, or we look at someone else's life, what they do and the things that they have attained, only to find out that wisdom was always trying to offer us a better way to live our lives. I don't care what the Joneses got. That may not be what you need to have. They may look good on the outside. But see, sometimes you don't know what they're going through to keep what they got. Mm, 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 mm. Yes, your business is flowing. Yes, you went to college to get the degree. Yes, you have the dream career. But are the blueprints according to God's plan for your life? Turn to Jeremiah 29 and 11. And in, and, and in life, there are so many decisions that we make. What's the best schools to go to? Who am I going to marry? How have I, can I have a godly marriage? How do I raise my children? Or how can I raise these children and I'm not making enough money? What house do I have? should I buy? How to invest the money that we have? And, I support, and watch this. And even when it comes to the five-fold ministry, am I supposed to be in a five-fold ministry? What am I supposed to be doing in my local church? We make life-changing and life-altering decisions every moment of the day, and I wonder how many decisions that we make and that we don't ask God for the wisdom of it. And as I was studying this out, um, I came across this, this, this little study article that says that from the time you get up in the morning, from the time you start to think about, let me wash my face, brush my teeth, let me comb my head, let me go down the stairs and make the, listen, you make at least 35,000 decisions a day. 
Now, I don't know about you, but that blew my mind. I would have probably put about a thousand. But it says on average, 35,000 decisions that runs through your mind. Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I do this? Should, should I add salt to my food? Should I add pepper? Should I put gas on my car? All these things constantly are running through our mind. Amen. So, um, Jeremiah 29 11 says, Jeremiah 29 11, boy, that girl bad up in that day. That's my sister right there. Hallelujah. It says, For I know the plans, watch this, that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans of good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. The King James Version says, I know the thoughts that I have for you. And God is saying that not only does he know the thoughts that he has for you, which are always good, but he also knows the plans. So let me stick in another better word, the blueprints or the purpose for, your, for the life that he has for us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 and 24 that Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Colossians 2 and 3 says that in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Good God Almighty. So right now, on the inside of us is the power for us to be victorious in everything that we do. And the wisdom to carry it out. And there are treasures hidden in the wisdom of God that makes our lives so fulfilling, so pleasurable, so meaningful that nothing else in this world can compare to it. My God. And, and, and God through the wisdom, through his wisdom, can do things in your life that you will never be able to do for yourself. And I guarantee you, if you've been living any, any amount of time that you wish you could have went back, It's the wisdom of God. You need it. You need it. And sooner or later, where my young people at? Sooner or later, you don't get tired of running up against that. You ever see a bug sometime? If you even flew in your house, especially a fly, there's a glass, but he just keeps. I mean, he just keeps flying. Watch this. Because he can't see no further than that. He can't see what we see. He cannot see that there's a glass there. Y'all with me? And sometimes you can't either. You're going to have to acknowledge, God, God, why I keep running up against this same thing all the time? Why does this thing keep it being in my face? Why I can't find this way around it? Amen? So, amen. So, God, so, so, so in the wisdom of God, God made it so that we will always have access to him and the knowledge that he so richly and abundantly supplies. Watch this. It was the wisdom of God that caused Solomon to be the wisest person that ever lived. If you read about Solomon, the Bible says that he talked about birds and trees and all kinds of stuff. People will come from afar. Even the, even the, uh, 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 the lady of, uh, y'all, y'all with me on that. There you go. Even, even she came from afar to, to, even, to even see how his house was managed. There's a part in there that blows my mind that, that the that Solomon had ordained 12 families that would feed his table, and one family had, had January, the next family had February. Y'all, am I in the book? He orchestrated, so they were addressed in raw attire. I'm talking about butlers and maids. Listen to me, let me tell you something. If you can have one family feed your feed your table for 12 months out of the year and every family had their own money, you a bad joker. 
You can't even hardly do that by yourself in the name of Jesus. Let me go. So watch this. So it was the wisdom of God that caused Solomon to be the wisest man that ever lived. It was the wisdom of God that caused that, that, that caused the Hebrew boy to be more smarter. As a matter of fact, ten times more smarter and excellent than all his peers. It was the wisdom of God that caused Joseph to not only be the greatest steward of, of Potiphar's house, not just to be the greatest steward of the prison that he was in prison to, but he was also the greatest steward and financial advisor over the whole world, second to nobody but Pharaoh. And let me give you some insight, a little bit more insight on Joseph. When Joseph was, a, uh, when Joseph was wrongfully accused, right, of sleeping with, with Potiphar's wife, and he was thrown into prison, which you don't know that basically it was a life sentence. Because watch this, the only reason you would come out was to go back before the king, right? It was to go back before the king to be impaled or you would just be forgotten. And let me tell you something, don't forget who Potiphar was. Potiphar was the, was the, was the captain's guard. He, was no, he wasn't nobody to play with. And you're going to try to sleep with my wife? When I put you in prison, I'm going to forget that you was even there. You understand what I'm saying? And 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 what happened was then he when, then when he got in the prison, watch this. He interpreted the dream of the cupbearer and and the um and and the baker. And he told the, and he told the cupbearer that when you get before Pharaoh, don't forget me. Am I y'all with me? Y'all with me? He said he said look here, don't forget me. But guess what happened? He forgot him for two years. He still stayed in prison. And watch this. But watch this. And because the wisdom of God had Joseph more than his situation did, the scriptures never say that Joseph cursed Potiphar's wife or the cupbearer not one time. Right. Now, come on, use your imagination. Somebody going to say that you raped his wife or tried to rape his wife. Then you help this joker out. Give him a word of knowledge so that he can go before the king and be set free. So use your man. You gonna tell me that you won't call her a heifer not one time? <laughs> See, y'all too holy. Y'all some holy folks. Can I get some? You mean to tell me that it ain't gonna run through your mind not one time? I know we holy. I ain't talking about us. I'm talking about the other people. <laughs> not one time? You in prison? See, if you ain't never been in prison, you might not ever even get a little taste of what I'm talking about. But if you ever went to jail, if you ever served any kind of time, if you ever been incarcerated and know what it's like to be separated from your family, to, go, to be up under these guards and prisoners and stuff like that, jokers trying to kill you and do all manner of things against you, you're going to know what I'm talking about. I was wrongfully accused. But not one time did Joseph open his mouth because like I said, he knew that if the wisdom of God was going to work for him, he couldn't open his mouth. Because you can't operate in the wisdom of God and be bitter. You can't be hateful. You can't be selfish. And you can't talk about, biz, uh, uh, and you can't talk about uh, people if the wisdom of God is going to be in control of your life. Amen. James 4 and 3 says that you don't get what you ask for because your motives are all wrong. And you only want it for your own pleasure. And bitterness, hatred, selfishness, and talking about people, it will not only reveal your motives, but it will alter them. 
You can have a pure heart towards somebody and you mess around and that bitterness set in and hatred, your, your feelings and your motive for them will slowly start to change. Now you're trying to use them and abuse them. Now you don't care nothing about them talking behind them behind their back. And now you wonder why God, where is your wisdom at? So Joseph, and even this, Joseph didn't have to interpret the dream. He could have said, man, I'm in prison, I'm in here for life, and I ain't looking out for nobody but myself. But he didn't allow his situation that he was in to stop the gift or the wisdom from flowing through him. It was the Holy Spirit who inspired the writer of Proverbs 31 that specifically said that the woman who conducts her life in the wisdom of God will be more precious than rubies. And I'm going to encourage you, go back and look up the value of rubies. Go back and look at what he's talking about. He says how her heart, how the heart of her husband would explicitly trust in her and how she would, and how she would greatly enrich his life. My God. Ooh, look at that thing. You know I'm talking about that. Right there, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. How she rises up early and takes care and manages her home. How she handles her business and she is very profitable. How strength and honor are her clothing. And whenever she opens her mouth, she opens it up with wisdom. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. It talks about how her children and her husband will praise her and call her blessed. And that she would always be known as the woman woman who excels them all. And I stated the last time that I was before you that according to Proverbs 31, when I said my household is blessed because of the way it is blessed, it's because of the woman that is sitting right there. Now, you know, I'm trying to give me a little brownie point, a little bit, you know what I'm saying. But I already got my brownie point. But I'm just trying to say, because I had to come to a place in life that I had to value the person that God has put in my life and the wisdom that she possesses. Now, I didn't say that men aren't the breadwinners. I didn't say that we aren't the protectors. I didn't say that we aren't the providers, nor did I didn't say that we were the head of our house. So I didn't say that. But what I am saying it is that if you don't allow the wisdom of God to speak through your wife, or if you're not telling your wife before you do something or run things by her, you are doing yourself in your household a disservice. Thank you for that. Thank you for that clap, Oliver. Praise the Lord. Can I get one more? Can I get one more clap? <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm not just saying this because my wife. I'm telling you the word. Go back and read Proverbs 31 for yourself. Proverbs 3 and 13. Watch this. Proverbs 3 and 13. We're going to go down to verse 17. What does it say? It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom or joyful and the one who gains understanding. Happy is the man that finds, oh, there you go. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. Verse 14, go all the way down to 17. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things that be compared unto her which shall not be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Now, the one thing I want you to understand when it talks about, um, back, back up, back up, 16. 
When it talks about length of days in her right hand and in her left hand, riches and honor, don't think about it, about it like this as in the right hand and in the left hand. Think about it like this because what they do, they embrace you. Mm. So we got five things out of this. We got long life. And I tell you, and I'm going to keep telling you all the time, it is God's will for you to live a long, healthy, and prosperous life. You do not have to go to God and say, God, if it be your will. I'm telling you what the will of God is. Jesus Christ said, I came to do the will of him that sent me. And not one time when anybody came to Jesus for healing, did Jesus ever say, well, let me check with the Father because it might not be his will. No, he healed them every single time. Boy, it's quiet. It's pretty. It says riches. It talks about riches. And when it talks about riches, it also talks about wealth. I'm talking about property, land, and possessions. And I'm talking about generational wealth because God is not just concerned about you. He's concerned about everything that comes out of your loins for the generations and generations to come. Amen. And so watch this. And let me tell you this too. While you're asking and praying God for wisdom uh, for more money, let me tell you this. You're going to fall into another tax bracket. All right. All right. <laughs> and then you're going to be like me and my wife was. Watch this. And we now we owe, we owe the federal. Because watch this. The wisdom of God, what the wisdom of God should have did, or if we had acknowledged that, was to go down and then adjust that little form that you fill out. Because you need them to take out everything. Yeah. Deal with it through the year. Yeah. God will sustain you. Yeah. Ain't he to sustain you this far? Yeah. Because I'm telling you, if you're praying for it, watch this, that God's going to give it to you. Watch this. But, he, but, and when, you, but when you're praying for it, when you fall up under that next bracket, uh, uh, tax bracket, the wisdom of God that's going to manage your life, he wants you to manage it with what you got right now. Right. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, church. Praise the Lord. He don't want you to wait until you get the and this like a because let me tell you something. Uh, uh, I got a plan for when I hit the lotto. No, I'm telling you the truth. That joke when that joke will get you a billion dollars, I'm the first one down there waiting for the door to open. Y'all see, you know what? I can't be real with y'all. I'm gonna be the first one down there to try to get that money. You understand what I'm saying? But watch this. But God don't necessarily want us to have the money. Watch this. If we don't know how to manage it properly. Because if you can't manage what you got, you think you're going to get a million dollars and really manage that? It don't work like that. So it talks about honor. It talks about pleasure. Oh, let me back it up. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Another, another, here's, a, here's another word to you when it comes to your tithe. In the, in, the, in the wisdom of God, tithing is another way for God to increase your life. I'm not trying to sell you nothing. You don't have to tithe if you don't want to. I'm telling you, as for me and my house, it worked for us. All of it. So, so, so use the wisdom of God. Because see, we think that when sometimes when God uh, tries to increase our life, especially when he talks about money. See, God knows that for some people, money is dear to your heart. Just like he did the rich wrong ruler. But what God wants you to do, because watch this, God says, see, if you got me, not only will you have that, but I'm going to give you the thing that you didn't even ask for. <laughs> My God. 
And remember what I said earlier about making decisions. Can you imagine, because remember, a part of this is peace. So remember that uh, when you're making decisions, watch this, imagine that when you're making decisions, that, that, that every decision that you make will lead to peace. Every decision. Well, that's what the word says. So when we ask God for wisdom and, and our minds have to be renewed, his wisdom will remove our doubt, it will remove our worry, it will remove our stress and anxiety, and it will give you peace. Well, 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 sir, I heard that, but I'm still dealing with that. That's because your mind hasn't been renewed. When your mind, do you know that the Bible says that God's commandments are not grievous? It says that. How about you know sometimes you think the word is grief? My God, God, my Lord. The Bible says that your mind got to be renewed to what God. See, when your mind is renewed and you start seeing things from God's perspective, like when, like when Elijah was down in the valley and his, and his, and his junior prophet was up on the hill and he came and said, Master, they up on the hill. They get ready to serve. He just walked out there and said, Lord, open his eyes. And then he seen that there were more for him than it was more against them. And that's what the wisdom of God, it opens your eyes to see it from God's perspective so that you can have peace in heart. If God tells you it's going to be all right, you remember the lady that came down here, um, Ken's sister and his daughter was in that train wreck? The lady said that God told me, it don't look as bad as it seems. And then that's what gives you the peace. I'm not saying your heart still won't be moved. I'm not saying you still might, might not have to get yourself together. But, um, but the more you see it God's way, the more it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's go to verse 4 with me. Amen. Glory be to God. And I'm closing with this, but I ain't closing yet. <laughs> I'm closing, but I ain't closing with this. The Bible says... Verse, verse 4. It says, verse 13 and 4. He that speaketh in tongues, no tongue, it affirms himself. And I'm going to wait for Anyway, let me read what I got. It's because it's, I think that's too far down. But it says, charity suffers long and is kind. Charity vaunts is not itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemingly. It seeketh not her own. It is not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. It says that charity or the agape love of God will never fail. But whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be not, whether they be knowledge, it shall all vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when, but when that which is perfect has come, then, then that which is perfect in part shall be done away. I'm sorry. That verse 11 is the one I wanted to get to. It says that when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, or when I became adult, or when I became mature, I put away childish things. And the way I, and the, and the reason why I was acting like, because I thought like a child, and the reason why I thought like a child, because that's the way I understood. And when I understood, that's the way I spoke. So let me tell you, let me tell all those young single people that are aspiring to be married one day. Because if you're still sucking on your thumb and you still got Similac on your, on your breath, you might need to stay married. I'm going to say that again. Want me to say it one more time? 
because if you're still sucking on your thumb and you still have, y'all know what Similac is? No, I know all the women know what Similac is. And you still got Similac on your breath, that means you're still a baby. You better make sure that you're ready to give up your individuality, your independence, not having to answer to nobody because you can go where you want to go and do whatever you want to do right now. And so make sure that you're ready to give up all that because marriage is not about you. It's not about being selfish. It's not about me having my own way or it's either my way or the highway. Because I told you once and I tell you again that marriage is for grown folks. And until you're ready to deny yourself, pick up your cross and die, stay single. Paul said in verse 1 Corinthians 13 and 11 that when I was a child, watch this, and we've all heard, y'all bear with me, we all heard that marriages fail because of lack of communication, because of finances, because of selfishness, et cetera, you know, uh, that, uh, and I'm not knocking that. I'm not knocking that because communication and financial strain, selfishness, unfaithfulness, all that could be the cause of your marriage failing, but that's just the fruit of it. The root of it is maturity. And when we don't grow up in agape love and when your why is not coming from agape, it says that it profits you nothing. Can I get some music, please? It profits you nothing. So you know how the saying goes, Lord should have brought you home last night. And when you get, and watch this, because when you get mature in love, your boys won't mean more than your wife. Your job will not mean more to you than your wife and your family. Your mama won't be running your marriage. Uh-oh, I just lost somebody right there. They ain't gonna like that one. Watch this. You won't take, you won't take advice from someone that has no relationship with God or that they're single. All their marriage is all jacked up, but they trying to tell you, girl, if I was you, well, that's right, but you ain't me. God said, let no man put asunder or separate what he has joined together. And we got to get it that God, when you asking God for wisdom in your marriage, God will do exactly just that. But let me tell you, let me tell you uh, um, uh, um, this too. In 1 Corinthians, in chapter uh, uh, 7, um, it talks about how did you, uh, well, first, Second Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 6 said that don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Let me put my little stop name right here. I said that the Bible says for you not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. If you are a Christian, and let me talk to the women. Because if you are a woman and the guy that you're dating is not saved, you may want to get out of that relationship before it get too serious and you got too deeply involved that now you, and watch this, and I'm going to talk to you about, even with the, even if the other person is saved, but they're not pursuing God, they're not chasing after him like you are, you're going to be miserable. Because the man, part of the man's job ooh, is to lead their wife to church. And they're in We have to grow up, church. We have to ask God for wisdom. And I'm telling you right now, I don't know who I'm talking to, if, if he broke up with you or whatever, for whatever reason, don't you take it to heart. He, lo he lost out. Amen. 
Let him go. Don't marry him. In the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says that the two shall become one flesh. And what we got to understand is that in that becoming is where all those problems is. You was raised by this type of surrounding. They was raised by that type of surrounding. They was raised up to believe this, and they was raised up to be that. And you got to stop going to people that don't know anything about the Bible and asking them about marriage and love. Oh, they ain't, you could we see the stories all the time. You got people that been married 30, 40, 50 years, ain't even say, got a good, lovely marriage. Don't you risk that. I, I, I got to stay right there because I don't want to I don't want to um, offend nobody if you will because I'm not saying that you can't have a certain type of marriage on the outside but I guarantee you if Jesus Christ ain't the foundation of that thing if they are not operating and let me ask you that let me I got a question for you I'm closing I'm closing I'm, I got a question for you how is it that you can operate in the wisdom of God or the uh, agape love of God but you don't have his spirit on the inside of you. How? Because that kind of love only comes from God. And if they have no relationship with God, and don't let nobody tell you, I know when I was going to how they were telling you, girl, well, if you love him, it's all right. It's not all right. Don't you give up the goods. Anyway, let me move on. Let me move on. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me move on. So now, and I'm not trying to tell you that God, that, that marriage cannot be a beautiful thing, but you're going to have to pray for God's wisdom and work it and work to have it the way that you want to have it. I can tell you this, me and my wife would have been gone, separated six months into this thing. We was done. But God stuck us right there in Germany because neither one of us leave. We had to, we had to work this thing out. And let me tell you, because you're going to have to get to a place where I say, that when I come, if I don't get no peace, nowhere else, if I don't get no sanity, nowhere else, at least when I come home. Let all eyes close and this beat us in the attitude of prayer. Glory be to God. <laughs> Father, I thank you for such a rich word today. I thank you, Father God, that this word will seep deep into somebody's heart, Father God. I know that there's somebody here that's making a decision should they take that relationship through the next step. And your, I just gave you your answer. First and foremost, is he saved? Second, is he marrying you? Glory be to God. Father, we thank you, we love you, we praise you. I thank you for these, your people, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father God, that we are like trees planted by the rivers of water that bring forth our fruit in our season, that our leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever we do, that by the wisdom of God we shall flourish and we should prosper. My first appeal to you is with all eyes closed, I'm asking y'all to be in an attitude of prayer as we're praying for salvation. The Bible says in the book of Revelations, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and let me in, I will come in and sup with him, and he will sup with me. 
if there's anyone that needs re re uh, rededication, in Luke chapter 15, it talks about how it talks about the prodigal son and how how the father is always waiting for you to come back because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 that I will never leave you nor forsake you. If there's membership that you want, the Bible says in the in the in the Bible in the book uh, in Acts chapter two. Um, and that God says members in the church as it pleases him. And if anybody needs prayer, I'm asking if any of these appeals are speaking to you, would you please come down directly after service so that we can pray for you. Whatever your prayer need is, we have ministers and we have elders here ready to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for spending time listening to the Word of God. We pray that today's message has fallen on good ground and will produce a 30, 60, or even 100-fold harvest in your life. Don't forget to join us next week. Be sure to subscribe to the New Covenant Life Christian Church podcast and click share to share with friends and family because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God bless you and have a safe and prosperous week.